All right, we're going to launch into week five today in our Fuel Message series. And we've been talking about how our values here at Connect Church fuel the vision of multiplying disciples and leaders and churches. And we've talked about a bunch of different values today. I just want to talk about culture. And I want you to think a little bit about uh, a cross-culture experience that maybe you've had. How many of you have ever been on a mission trip? Uh, You've gone somewhere else to share Jesus. All right, a handful of us. And if you've ever been on a mission trip or if you've ever traveled outside of the United States, you've probably had an experience similar to mine where you get to a third world country and you realize that there's just trash everywhere. Have you ever had that experience? It's one of the most remarkable things. I've been in some of the most beautiful places in the world outside of America and, and if they don't have a value culturally of not littering, they just throw plastic bags and water bottles and candy wrappers just everywhere. And some of the most beautiful places in the world are littered with trash. Have you ever been in that situation? L- let me ask you, if, if you uh, had that experience and you found yourself in that place and you were to ask your host, why are people littering so much in this beautiful place? Your host would probably say to you, well, the reason people litter here is because we don't have a cultural value against littering. There are no laws against littering. In fact, in some places, they'll tell you, we value freedom. And so we don't want to restrict anybody's freedom. So you're free to litter here. I've actually had that conversation with people. So let me ask you, what would you do if you were a guest in that culture? I'm going to give you three choices, and then I'm going to ask you to vote this morning. Would you, A, would you just say, well, when in Rome, do as the Romans do and toss your plastic bottle out the window, okay? That's choice A. Choice B, would you lecture the people you met about littering and tell them they're being irresponsible and they're ruining the environment and they they just need to change? Would you just go on a lecture tour? Or choice C, would you just go silent, And uphold your American values proudly but silently. How many of you would choose letter A and throw the water bottle out the window? All right, I am the only one in the room that would make that choice. Um, (laughs) Letter B, you would lecture. Okay, thank you. I've got one, one person joining me. I got in big trouble with my mission team doing that. Letter B, you would lecture your your host. Okay, a few of you would get on a high horse. How many of you would just go silent? All right, almost all of us. All right. So we're in this situation. The reason I'm asking this question is because we, as Christian people, we are living in a culture that is different than our Christian culture. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but our our surrounding culture, American culture, Montana culture, world culture, is very, very different from Christian culture. And I want, to, I want you to think about a couple of things. There's a cultural value in America of getting ahead. And I think probably all of us want to be better off than our parents were. We want to get good jobs. We want to have careers. We want to make a better life for our children. That's an American value. And in America, lots of people believe that the ends justify the means. And so if I have to cut corners, if I have to rip somebody off, if I have to do something a little bit unethical, if it gets me to my goal, then that's okay. But as Christians, we value honesty. We value integrity. 
And so we have a problem, we have a conflict with the surrounding culture in our world. That, that's one example. Think about the culture of sex that we live in. In America, many people believe that if it feels good, do it. Lots of people believe that. Lots of people live out that value. But Christians believe that sex is reserved for marriage, that there is value in waiting and saving yourself for your spouse. And so we live in conflict with our culture. Think about life for just a second. One of the big issues in this political season as we're uh, contemplating electing a president, uh, one of the big issues is the value of life. Many, many Americans believe that it is a woman's inviolable right to choose whether or not to continue a pregnancy. And that is a big value in America. In fact, the Supreme Court has ruled years and years ago that that is a fundamental right that a woman has. But Christian people believe that life begins at conception, that all life is sacred. And so we find ourselves in conflict with our surrounding culture. So just like the scenario that I painted with you about littering in a foreign culture, we're given a choice. How are we going to respond when we find ourselves in conflict with our culture? Do we become hostile to our culture? I think of the church group that travels around protesting at military funerals with the big signs, and you, you know what they say. They're just so distasteful. But they're hostile to the culture? Or do we become submissive to our culture? I think of Christians who say, well, the times are a-changing, and we've got to adapt, and we'll find reasons why the Bible didn't really mean what it says. And we just become submissive to the culture. Or, like so many of us in this room with the plastic water bottles, do we just go silent? Well, the big question that we have to answer today is, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And I want to take us this morning to John chapter 1. Uh, if you want to follow along in your Bibles with me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start reading right at the beginning of the Gospel of John. Uh, these verses are printed in your notes, and if you haven't got notes, there's some right up here. You can feel free to jump up and grab some, or the, the verses will be up on the screen But I want us to look at how Jesus lived and acted in this culture. All right? Here's what we read in in John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you're not familiar with this particular passage from the Bible, Uh, Let me just explain this to you. Uh, The gospel writer John is using the word as a metaphor for Jesus. So this is actually talking about Jesus himself. Verse 2 says, He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word, Jesus, gave life to everything that was created, And his life brought light to everyone. 
The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Now I want to jump down to verse 10. Jesus came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Aren't you glad you've been reborn? That's such good news. Verse 14 says, So the word, Jesus, became human and made his home among us. He was full of grace and truth. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Now, I want to take this story that we've just read and I want to summarize it for us this morning. Because in in just 10 short verses, the gospel writer John is laying out the whole story of Jesus. Then he goes on in the rest of the gospel to fill in all the spaces. But right here we have a summary of what the life of Jesus was all about. And this is Jesus on mission. So let me just summarize what we've just read for you. First of all, we learned that Jesus always existed as God and with God. Secondly, we learn that God created everything through Jesus. Thirdly, we learn that Jesus gave life and light to everything and everyone. And then Jesus came into the world. And Jesus made a way for people to become children of God. The part of that passage that we just read that's so important is verse 14, where it says, so the word became human. Jesus became human and made his home among us. And this is what I want you to remember today. I hope you'll go home and drive in your car today and just ponder this thought. This is it today. Jesus made his home in our culture. Will you just think about that today, in the next week? Jesus made his home in our culture. This is mind-boggling for me. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this. But Jesus wasn't just randomly born on this earth and became a great guy. No, what John tells us in that passage we just read is that Jesus was God. He existed eternally as God and with God But he left the glory of heaven and came and made his home in this dirt, in this muck, among these people who have made a habit of rebelling against God and going their own way and fighting wars and doing all kinds of stupid things. Jesus made his home here. He left all the glory of heaven. and, and think about this. the glory of heaven would eclipse the glory of Donald Trump's penthouse apartment, okay? The glory, he came here. Jesus made his home in our culture. 
But let me ask you this. What if, instead of this story that we just read, what if the story was a little bit different? I'm going to tweak the story to mess with us a little bit. What if instead of being on mission, what if Jesus was hostile to our culture? The story would go very differently. It would go like this. Jesus was always God, and he wants everybody to know that he's God. God created everything, and he put Jesus in charge. And so Jesus gave all the orders, and he corrected everyone, and he corrected everything. And then Jesus came into the world. And Jesus made sure that everybody knew what they were doing wrong, and he kicked all the sinners out of his club. That's how the story would go if Jesus was hostile to our culture. And that's not how the story went. That's not what we read in John chapter 1, is it? What we read was that Jesus made his home in our culture. But he wasn't culture hostile. But what if, instead of being missional and instead of being hostile, what if Jesus was submissive to the culture that he was born into? Well, the story would go differently. This is how the story would go. Jesus was God, but he didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings by reminding them about it, so he took on the persona of a hipster-looking dude that wouldn't be offensive to anybody. And the story would go on to say God created everything, but he gave credit to evolution so he wouldn't look controlling. And the story would go that Jesus was a wise teacher who helped people know about love and about world peace. And when Jesus came into the world, he made sure that people had good self-esteem and that they prioritized loving themselves so they didn't feel guilt or shame about anything. That would be culturally submissive Jesus. But that's not how the story went either. Jesus wasn't culturally submissive. He wasn't culturally hostile. No, he made his home in our culture. And instead of being hostile, instead of being submissive, Jesus was culture missional. Turn to your neighbor and say, culture missional. Culture missional. In other words, Jesus came and made his home here, and he wanted to point people in the direction of reconnecting to God. And here's what I fundamentally believe. Jesus calls you and I to make our home in this culture. Now, I was born in Montana. I love Montana. I have chosen to live most of my life in Montana. I don't know about you. I don't know if you chose to live here or if you were born here and can't wait to get out of here. But regardless of your your personal feelings about Montana, Jesus calls you to make your home in this culture, and to be on mission in this culture. Just like Jesus, 
His call for you is not to be culturally hostile or culture submissive, but to be culture missional. So I want to use the rest of our time today to just take a self-assessment. Would you take just a moment to ask yourself some questions? And, And I'd like you to join me in just kind of evaluating where we are. All right, and I want to start with this question. It's in your notes. You can feel free to jot some things down as you ponder this question. The first question is, am I culture hostile? And I don't want you to evaluate your spouse or the guy you're sitting next to. Don't evaluate your mother-in-law, okay? This is a self-evaluation. Am I culture hostile? And when I think about culture hostile people, I I tend to think about people who separate themselves from everybody else. I grew up in a very culture hostile environment, all right? And and we we were preached to from the preacher and the youth leader and everything, you know, that, that we were in the world, but we weren't of it. Come out from among them and be separate was one of the favorite verses from the Bible that we, that we were preached about. So my parents made sure that I was separate from everything, okay? And I can remember in high school when everybody else was square dancing. Um, dancing was one of those bad, bad things. Christians don't dance. And, and so... Uh, and so I ran bleachers, and I was separated from everything in my culture. Like, anybody would fall into lust from square dancing. It's not even possible. But that's, um, that dosi do is just so hot, isn't it? But, but I was raised in that kind of hostile environment. But we still, you know, we, we've changed so much, but... There is still culture hostility in the Christian culture, very much so. Ask yourself this question. Do I act like I'm better than non-Christians? Do I act like I'm superior or smarter? Do I think I'm more enlightened than people that don't believe in Jesus? I had a conversation not long ago with a new Christian who was so zealous about his faith in Christ. And, and he came to me, Pastor Russ, had the best experience this week. You know, my coworkers, they're always using the name of the Lord in vain. And I just had enough. And I told him, I'm offended when you use Jesus' name in vain. You stop it right now. And I admired his zeal. And I could understand as a new Christian man, he just wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. But it was hostility that was coming across, right? It was hostile. And that's not really how Jesus interacted with the culture. Am I culture hostile? Am I perceived as being hostile? And this is a tough one. I've got a video here, and this is a true thing. This is is a video of an actual person doing Google searches. Take a look at this. When I saw that video, I just said, ouch. Anybody else? Friends, that's how we're perceived. And can we just all just take a moment and self-evaluate? Am I perceived as being culture hostile? And a good place for you to maybe start is evaluating your Facebook feed. What does your Facebook profile say about your attitude towards people that don't believe the way you believe? How do you treat people who are 
planning to vote for the candidate that you think is the wrong candidate. Culture hostile. So let's go on to the next question. On the other hand, am I culture submissive? Would you just ask yourself that question? Have I come to the point in my interaction with the culture that I'm culture submissive? Have I adopted the beliefs and attitudes of my culture that are actually in conflict with what the Bible says? And as easy as it is to be culture hostile, it's just as easy to be culture submissive. And ask yourself things like this. What, what do I believe about the Bible? The Bible itself claims to be God-breathed. It believes to be absolutely true. But it's easy when we're living in this culture, there's so much pressure to believe that the Bible is riddled with mistakes. Have you believed that? And if you have, then you've strayed into that area of being culture-submissive. Or if you have started to question whether or not there's a real hell and a real heaven, then you may have slipped into being culture submissive. What what is it that you believe? Is it based upon what the Bible claims to be true? Or is it based upon what our culture is pressuring us to believe? I mentioned sex earlier about being a cultural pressure. And, and it's easy for us as Christians to become culture submissive to the world's view of sexuality as well. Our world believes that it's okay to, to sleep together before marriage. In fact, our world believes it's important to sleep together before marriage. Our, and let me tell you, I've had the honor, the last couple of months, I've married a number of young couples who have waited for a sexual relationship until after marriage, and I'm so proud of them. But they've gotten a lot of pressure from their family and friends because they say, what if you're sexually incompatible? And that's a big deal in our culture, right? And so these young people that are, that, that are upholding Christian values, they get all this pressure. And it, and it might be the kind of a thing where we would start to say, Whoa, what if I am sexually incompatible? I better go for a test drive and find out. And then we've become culture submissive, right? Jesus says you'll be blessed if you wait. You'll be blessed if you wait. But the culture says, I can look at the menu as long as I don't order something. And as Christians, we can become culture submissive to that as well. Am I culture submissive? Pastor Bob in in our Great Falls campus taught this message last week and I was listening to his podcast and he said to the, the, the connectors up there, he said, you know, as a Christian, he's been a Christian about 25 years. He said, as a Christian, I can remember, especially as a young person, there were times when I would be culture hostile There were times when I would be culture submissive. It took me a long time to figure out how to be on mission without being hostile or submissive. And I agree with Bob. I've been a Christian most of my life, but there have been years I've been hostile. There have been years I've been submissive. And I feel so strongly that now Jesus is calling me to be neither of those things, but instead be culture missional which does not mean going silent. 
So let me ask this last question. Am I culture missional? Can I look at my life and say, I'm living like Jesus. I'm developing relationships with people who aren't churchgoers. I'm developing relationships with people that haven't reconnected with God. I'm intentionally investing in people that I want to share Jesus with. And I'm not, I'm not lecturing them about using the Lord's name in vain. I'm not lecturing them about their sexual habits. I'm just pointing them to Jesus. Because I understand that it's Jesus that changes my heart. Jesus doesn't ask me to clean up my mouth or clean up my, my, my habits and then get saved. He asks me to reconnect with God and then he changes me from the inside out. One of the reasons we're so hostile is because we've forgotten that it's the Holy Spirit's job to change people, right? And when we're on mission, we're investing in people and we're loving people. We're not silent. We're not, we're not just approving of everything they do, but instead of lecturing them, we're just pointing them to Jesus. But none of us can be on mission if we have no relationships with people who need Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? And it's so easy for us to get in this cloister and just hang out with connectors and hang out with our small group and, and, and just, we, we just become so inwardly focused that we're not living like Jesus. We've just become some sort of a freak show commune. That's not what we're called to be. That just came off the top of my head. But that's cool. A freak show commune. That's not who we are. And that's not who Jesus was. Somebody write that down and help me remember it, because that was good. Okay, I got off script. Let me wrap up with this. One of my favorite examples from the Bible of people who were on mission is the Apostle Paul. And if you've ever read his story in the book of Acts, it's awesome, and I hope you'll read it sometime. Just read about how he was on mission, planting churches and pointing people to Jesus. And he wasn't culturally hostile, he wasn't culture submissive, and he wasn't silent either. If you've ever read about Paul, he had a big mouth. But he was so good at helping people come to Jesus. Here's what he wrote about himself in 1 Corinthians 9. This isn't in your notes, but you can look it up. 1 Corinthians Corinthians 9, starting at verse 19. He says, Even though I'm a free man with no master, I've become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. If I could summarize this, what he was saying is, when I was in Jewish communities, I didn't throw a bacon fest, okay? I was respectful of the Jewish people who didn't eat pork and who, who followed all these rules. And I, I was respectful because I wanted to build bridges to help people come to Christ. But then he goes on. He says, when I'm with the gentle Gentiles who don't follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. I don't ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. And again, if I can use the same metaphor, what he was saying is when I'm with Gentiles and they invite me to their bacon fest, I go and I eat bacon and it's awesome. 
And while we're eating bacon, I talk about Jesus. Here's how he finishes it. He says, yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. And friends, can I just be gut level honest with you? This is not easy to do. It's easy to become hostile. And it's easy to become submissive to our culture. It's difficult to find common ground and point people to Jesus, but it's what he calls us to do. And as a church, I fundamentally believe that when we are culture missional, it will fuel our vision. Our vision is right over here on the wall. More disciples, more leaders, more churches. And when we're culture missional, we're going to find that vision is fueled by just loving people and pointing them to Jesus. Will you join me on the mission? Will you join me on the mission? Let's help people reconnect to God.